0: Hi, and welcome to Book Chat at North Shore Library. I'm Melody. And I'm Hannah. And this month we're talking about Black Voices. Yay! Yay! Uh, we're a little late for Black History Month, but that's okay. doesn't yeah. really matter. You
1: don't need to only read Black Voices during February.
0: Isn't that a crazy idea? <laughs>
1: right? You can, you can actually do it all year long.
0: You, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've got... A pretty hefty list. Hannah, you really, really showed me up on your list. <laughs> I read a lot
1: and I read a lot of different
0: age ranges,
1: you know, books that are targeted at younger audiences, older audiences. I'm kind of all over the place with what I read, and I do have a specific Goodreads shelf of black voices, Amazing. black
0: authors, Amazing. specifically
1: African American. Um, I've ruled out oh. a couple of African authors. Gotcha, uh, and yeah. Caribbean authors. <laughs> yeah, on <laughs> um, um, for this for this particular yeah. episode.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, let's just jump in, shall we?
1: Sure. Um, I have a book that I'm really excited to talk about, and that is Jazz by Toni Morrison. Um, I know you come to the podcast for book recommendations, and you're like, "Yes, I've heard of Toni Morrison," <laughs> um, but I think Jazz is kind of. Not really one of the ones that first leaps to mind of hers for a lot of people. Honestly, I've never heard of this. Which is, yeah, this is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, my book club recently discussed The Bluest Eye, which, you know, was huge, big deal back in the day. Uh, it was a reread for me, and I was like, man, Toni Morrison is, like, really good. Like, you know that she's really good. She's very acclaimed, um, pretty prolific, but you know that. Mm-hmm. Um This, uh, so Jazz is, oh, she's also well-known for Beloved.
0: That's the one that I think most people will know.
1: Yeah, like, Beloved is huge, Oprah made it into a movie, like, massive, and it's, it's incredible, it's an incredible book, and it's kind of the first book in a quasi-trilogy. Um, the characters, there's not a lot of character connections, but, like, thematically, Tony Morrison has said, this is, like, a thematic trilogy, and the Mm. second book in that trilogy is jazz. Um, it traces the events leading up to a love triangle that goes horribly wrong. So uh, one point of that love triangle is dead at the beginning of the book, and um, another point of the love triangle has attacked her body yeah. um, in the casket in front of people. <gasps> it's wild.
0: Oh my god. Um, <laughs> that's the opening?
1: Yeah, like, that's how it starts. <laughs> um.
0: Wow. Okay. But
1: it... Uh, like the the opening paragraph contains that information in the most just incisive and artistic first paragraph I think I've ever mm. read in a book. And I read a lot of books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just I I revisit there was a viral tweet recently that was like, this is incredible. And I'm like, yeah, it really is incredible. Mm. Um and I'm a big audio book listener. Um and Toni Morrison reads a lot of her own audiobooks, which I love. She has an incredible voice, and it's really cool to hear the author's voice. Literally in her own voice. Yeah. Um, and especially something like jazz, which is very jazzy in its prose. Just the rhythms of things. it's just really is a pleasure. The cadence makes it very musical and very lyrical. Um, so even though it's kind of a, yeah, well, it's a sad story... Um, that doesn't go great for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's still really an enjoyable listening experience. So um, after this book was released, um, Toni Morrison did become the first black woman of any nationality to win the Nobel Prize for Literature.
0: Wow.
1: Which, yeah, wild. Like, I forget exactly when, but I want to say like 1996. Very recently. Wow. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I was expecting earlier. Wow. Right. Crazy. So,
1: yeah, she just is. She's a tour de force. And I think, you know, we, we do hear a lot about her kind of her hits. Yeah. <laughs> Beloved. Yeah. Blue is die. Mm-hmm. Um, But jazz, I think, is a really special experience. And you don't have to have read Beloved for it to make sense. You can just jump in with this one um, and let me know what you think, because I'm always looking for people to discuss Tony Morrison with.
0: <laughs> It's, I think it takes a special author to make a story about really sad content enjoyable. Yeah. And and not to mention beautiful.
1: Right. Because Beloved is deeply messed up. Mm -hmm. The Bluest Eye, deeply messed up. Yeah. A lot of characters who are really struggling with some rough stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's still just the way that she writes is like, mind blown.
0: Yeah. So good, huh? Um is there any singing in it?
1: <laughs> not uh not like a lot. <laughs> um, but there are songs that characters sing
0: do you, do, and, are you know, they sung in the audiobook? Yeah,
1: cool. And you know there there'll be there'll be a church and there'll be a hymn and Nice. she'll it just she's such a great immersive audiobook reader. She's really, really wonderful. It's very cool, so definitely check out Jazz. Great. In the format of your choice.
0: Nice. Thanks. Great start. (laughs) (laughs) I try.
1: I do have another throwback if you're interested in hearing about it. Yeah. Um, So another one that I had been told to read for a really long time is Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. And this also dropped in the 90s. I was, you know, too young for it when it came out. (laughs) Uh, But I'm a big sci-fi buff, and I had always been told, like, oh, if you want to read more diverse voices in sci-fi, you have to read Octavia E. Butler. Mm -hmm. And specifically Parable of the Sower and its sequel, Parable of the Talents, um, got recommended to me a lot. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to them last year, the year before, after, you know, they've been on the TBR list for a while. Like, I'll get to that someday, and someday became today. Yeah um when my hold came in on Libby (laughs) okay now I have it yeah um but I don't think it's a sci-fi book so if you're if you've been avoiding Octavia E. Butler and Parable of the Sower because you have heard that it's sci-fi and it's billed as sci-fi and you've gone on Wikipedia and Goodreads and it said this is a sci-fi book it really I don't think is I just don't think that dystopian was really a genre as much in the oh, early 90s. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it's post-apocalyptic. It's very much dystopian. Um, it's set in California in the very near future. Um, I think she, the main character Lauren turns 18 in the year 2027. Okay. So like, <laughs> yeah. coming right up. <laughs> yeah. Just a
0: few years. Right.
1: Like, it's it's yeah. getting there. Yeah. Um. Lauren's the daughter of a Baptist pastor. She lives with several other families in this, like, gated community, and there's a wall around it, because the world outside is very chaotic, very mm-hmm. dangerous, sometimes on fire. Um, well,
0: California.
1: <laughs> right! Like, it's very... It's, yeah. Considering this came out in the 90s, like, reading it, like, last year was really, like, whew, yeah. this is just aged.
0: Right. A lot.
1: <laughs> like, but... In a very, it's very prescient, it's very smart, and I think she was definitely commenting on social issues that were very relevant and have only become more relevant in the subsequent 20 years. So these families live in this little commune, this little gated community, and they work together to make sure everybody is clothed and fed and safe. Hmm. They have a community garden, they have fruit trees, um, but they also share responsibility for maintaining and patrolling the wall around their little compound. Um, there, there are some familiar dystopian elements to it. Uh, there's a teenage girl protagonist. She's got special abilities. Lauren um, experiences other people's pain as though it is her own. Oh gosh. Yeah. Ugh. And in a in a dystopia, like a violent dystopia. <laughs> That's terrible. Right. Like it's a very debilitating. Like she can't defend herself from a potential attacker. Because she would feel their pain. Oh
0: my gosh. Um, So
1: she's in this very unique um, situation. Uh, Hmm. But, you know, it's like, okay, we've got a... She's got a protagonist in her late teens. She's got special abilities. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a scary society. There's a drug that makes people who take it obsessed with starting fires. Like, all these elements, which are very, like, dystopia, but not really sci-fi. So I think we're... Hmm. people start calling it sci-fi is Lauren looks at the world around her. She looks at her father's religious teachings and is like, "Mm, this really isn't for me. Like, I don't think that the God of my father is reflected in the world that I'm experiencing. So she starts to think about God in her own way Hmm. and arrives, distills her line of thought down to God is change. Change is the one constant in her world. Hmm. It's the one thing that is driving, it's the driving force behind everything that's happening to her. And she has this notion that the ultimate purpose of mankind is to leave Earth and settle other planets. It's an idea. Wow. In the book. (laughs) It makes more sense. And it's beautifully, beautifully written. She writes actual verses like a a scripture. Oh,
0: interesting. But
1: it's, you know, these poems throughout the book that are just beautiful. Um, so it's like, yeah, the sci-fi part is like off on the horizon or someday I would like to get into a spaceship, Yeah. but I don't think wanting to leave earth makes it (laughs) sci-fi. Um, interesting. I would love to have a conversation about that with other sci-fi nerds who are like, no, it's sci-fi and here's why, like bring it on. I want to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. And it's, yeah,
1: she, you know. Things, things go awry. Obviously, their little, little commune bubble does not last. And no. Communes always work. <laughs> right. This little, oh, we'll just isolate ourselves from the <laughs> yeah, scary that, parts of that, society. That
0: always works. All the time. <laughs> It's never, never gone poorly for anyone. It's never a problem.
1: Especially in, like, a dystopian trilogy.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and this was book one of a planned trilogy, but Butler actually died before completing the third book. So maybe that third one oh would have been, God. like, and we're leaving the Earth, and so we're
0: settling other planets. There's never been a third book even written? No. Has there been, have they discovered an outline of book three? Not
1: that I have found, and I, you know, I'm pretty dialed in oh to, to book world, and, like, you know,
0: Ugh. I'm going to
1: have all of, I'm going to read through Tolkien's papers and I'm going to read all of Robert Jordan's letters and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like it would have come across right. my my feeds, my mm-hmm. various feeds one mm-hmm. way or
0: another. That's crazy. But
1: it's pretty wild. And it gets, the second book is really, really interesting. I don't think you need, you definitely need to read Parable of the, of the Sower before you read Parable of the Talents. Mm -hmm. um but the it's ah, it's just really fun and a fresh like she was really pushing the envelope i think for what mainstream publishing thought black authors could do especially at the time yeah like because it's not just literary fiction it is this like dystopian yeah very specific kind of thing so a black voice in a little bit different area then so I, i i like to acknowledge the roots yeah. <laughs> like where so there are some authors that I'll talk about later on that I think definitely draw inspiration from her.
0: Very cool. Um do you, have you come up with a theory of what you think book 3 would have been named?
1: Not personally because I don't know my parables as well as I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure she had one in mind, but because, you know,
0: it's yeah, very I'm much on a theme. Yeah, I'm trying remember my knowledge, because there's, def- there's the sower with the seed, the talents, which I'm trying to remember what the messages of those two parables are, and if they're similar, and mm-hmm. what would be another similar message.
1: The parable of the sower is, you yeah, know, if you plant a seed, then you can reap the rewards,
0: basically. Right. Um, parable of the talents is You're given talents and it's your you decide what you do with them. Well, talents,
1: um, in the Bible are yeah. uh, are currency. Yeah. So it was there's like a master who gives
0: All his different servants talents and one of them invests, one of them is like, Well, I don't want to lose it so I buried it. Yeah. Um which I relate to that person <laughs> right.
1: But I, and so maybe that's the the takeaway there is that I even
0: remember I wish I my uh, knowledge would pop up right? like no risk,
1: no reward. Yeah, I think
0: it's probably the there's definitely another parable that she was gonna call it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll think on that
1: right. We'll, we'll do some research. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of um, black voices and religion and questioning, god and what god is uh that leads right into my book which is great um it's called transcendent kingdom by ya jossi um so this is many of you may have heard of homegoing by ya jossi uh yeah it's (laughs) she it was probably i think it was a bestseller it was very popular it was her debut novel um it Traces about 300 years in Ghana, and along the way, it kind of turns into an American novel. Mm -hmm. Um, It has like some very deep language. Uh, Again, really sad, but also beautiful.
1: Beautifully.
0: Yeah. Um, I haven't read Homegoing, but I've read about it, (laughs) and um, I hear people really like it. So, this is her second book. It is not part of a series at all. It's just her, her second um, her second novel, um, and so Transcendent Kingdom is um, contemporary fiction. Our main character, her name is Gifty. She's a fifth year candidate in neuroscience at Stanford School of Medicine. Uh, so we got a smart gal. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's studying reward seeking behavior in mice. And how the neural circuits of depression and addiction affect mice and their behavior, which is fascinating. So interesting. Something I would never think about in my, <laughs> right. in my life. That's why we have doctors right. and that. Yeah. And, and librarians. They don't have to be the same person. Right. But, well, this is why we fund people who study this stuff, because right, right. it's important. Yeah. Um, so she had a brother whose name was Nana. Who was a very um, gifted high school athlete, um, specifically played a lot of basketball, who died of a heroin overdose um, after a knee injury, um, left him hooked on Oxycontin. So she has that deep sorrow in her past. Just a deep grief. It's so well written. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. In the meantime, her mom um, comes to live with her because she is depressed. Um, so depressed that she stays in her bed and won't get out of bed. And in fact, this has happened before and uh, there's worry of her mom being suicidal as well. So we have all of this going on and then we follow Gifty as she's trying to do her scientific work, um, the purpose of which is to discover like why everyone around her is suffering and how she can control is there a way to fix these impulses that we can't control um so very similar i think we we have a theme throughout all of these books sad content (laughs) but beautifully written beautifully written yeah ultimately Um, uplifting right i would i would say so i think so yeah at Um, least so far yeah so another part of this book that I really related to is um, Gifty was raised in an evangelical church. Um, and in this specific church, the promise of salvation is about healing and there are miracles that will will, will heal you. But, you know, she's seen people in her life suffer and not be healed. Yeah. Um, and so she is struggling with these conflicting feelings about what the promise of her, her childhood faith had and the reality of what her life is like. Um, And so she kind of shifts from searching for answers to these questions in religion into searching for answers to these questions in science. And before you get scared off, (laughs) this, this book is not an argument of one over the other. It just talks about the conflict of you know, having deep questions about life and when your faith can't answer them, can science answer them? Or vice versa, when science can't answer them, can religion answer them? Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be scared off. There is a lot of talk of religion and science, but it's not its not like a manifesto either way. For sure. Yeah. Um, so... This book is very what was the word that I was I kept wanting to say listful, but that's not a word. It's very wistful. <laughs> it's not plot heavy really it's it's not even like a happy, happy ending book right um, but it's a very thoughtful book, um mm-hmm. beautifully written, and really deeply and thoughtfully explores the questions of desire impulse, addiction, depression, religion, and science. Um, Some of the questions that are explored in this book are, can science and God coexist? Does one negate the other? Can we use science or religion, either one, to help with impulse control? I mean, because she really has this very deep pain about her the loss of her brother and if only he could have controlled his impulses to addiction mm-hmm. and that has fueled her career yeah her whole her whole deal yeah
1: is really because her brother got yeah. into was you know, had this basketball injury and was prescribed oxycontin to yeah. deal with it right it's wild right it's so good
0: yeah um she also explores questions of uh, you know, if you have people who have mental health challenges, how do you help them if they don't want help? Can you help them if they don't want help? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Um. Also, what makes a family? Right. Yeah. And we've got some pretty
1: some pretty similar themes running through here. I think. I think. Uh, jazz and parable of the sower, like similar overarching themes going yeah.
0: on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, I really enjoyed reading this. Again, it's very wistful Mm -hmm. and, um, very thoughtful, but it's beautifully written and you get to really explore, you get to know Gifty really well and you know her hurts and the challenges that she faces and also like see how she has overcome them by digging so deeply into her research. It's just... It was, I found it really interesting.
1: And I think it does a good job of really focusing on, like, this is Gifty's personal experience. And that keeps it from being too preachy or, yeah. too, you know, one way or the other. It really centers that, the whatever message there is on her right. personal experience. I don't
0: even know if there is a message. It's right. more like, well, what do you think?
1: right. <laughs> human experience, uh, is, is pretty complex is kind of the message of the book, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, Right.
1: Yeah. I just really enjoyed Transcendent Kingdom. I also really liked Homegoing. Um, literary fiction. Yeah. It's good stuff. Truly. Yes. I was trying to think of who I would recommend this for, and definitely, I see, like, a literary tradition, you know, kind of the passing of the torch from someone like Toni Morrison Yeah. yeah, Jassy, and some of the right. Yes,
0: yeah. I mean, and we get we get people into the library sometimes looking for urban fiction, and this is, like, exactly what I would give them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: It's awesome. I'm going to turn the tables a little bit, talk about some nonfiction.
0: Oh, my goodness. I
1: know. Wild. <laughs> I'm all over the place. It's <laughs> causing a ruckus. Um, and I had a couple of titles that so I thought, you know, I do want to shake it up. I don't want it to all be, like... Oh, literary fiction, because that's the only genre that's valid, and there there are tons of black voices out there anywhere you you know could think to look of them or for them they exist. Um, but I so I had a couple of nonfiction titles I was thinking about, um, and I settled on talking about Blackbirds in the Sky by Brandy Colbert. Um, this came out pretty recently, um, and it's basically is a nonfiction account of the Tulsa race massacre um which i did not learn about in school and you know, not middle school not high school uh in college i was taking um you know american history courses even black history courses mm-hmm. um, i accidentally minored in religion taking classes about religion <laughs> in uh specifically in african american communities how do
0: you know what the, how do you not know what the third parable is right how do i not know <laughs>
1: Uh, Too too broad, not specific enough. Um, But I heard about it a few years ago, um, and I think it kind of came to mainstream. Like we started talking about it more um, because of the HBO series Watchmen Mm -hmm. had a Tulsa massacre episode. Okay, Um, and subsequently, like since then, uh, there was another HBO series, uh, Lovecraft Country, also had a, a Tulsa episode and we're so we're talking about it more yeah and it's it's becoming part of of the consciousness a little bit more um so I thought it was really interesting that this book came out like hey you may have heard about this on tv here we are to answer all your questions Hmm. and it's very well researched which as a librarian love love some good research (laughs) I'll always appreciate a well-researched book really emotionally evocative um some nonfiction can get pretty dry but this book is really engaging without getting too gruesome because the the story is pretty gruesome yeah um it's i don't i don't want to spoil it for you if it's if it's new (laughs) to you but it's well
0: i mean by its name i think we know it's gonna get bad Yeah. yeah yeah it's not
1: gonna be awesome yeah um it's a really important read, I think, for anyone who needs a reminder that history matters. Um, so stories matter, and it also matters who's telling these stories. So when we talk about Black voices, I don't—you have to consider where the story is coming from when you're reading it, and that's you know just every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to consider whose perspective you're looking at and mm-hmm. whose perspective you're elevating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having this book on this topic by a black American author is just super important that it exists. Um, It's also a good one. You know, keep asking questions. This is something that a subsection of the American population definitely knew happened and definitely talked about. And other parts of the population, not so much. Yeah. Why didn't that story get told? Why didn't we talk about it very much? Why didn't I learn about it in high school? Mm -hmm. Why not? Um, So it's a good book for, uh, you know, provoking some thoughts and asking some questions and uh, definitely encourages folks to uh, never stop seeking the truth or sharing it, I feel. Um, It's also it's geared toward a young adult audience, but it's a really good overview. (laughs) So I read a lot of YA. (laughs) It's fine. It's a great intro to the topic for older folks as well who are just hearing about it for the first time. Hmm. On HBO or whatever. Right.
0: Do you think that because it's geared towards young adults, um, that makes the reading a little bit easier? Yeah, for sure. The gory details are out there if you want to find them. Nice. Um, Not nice. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: It's like, well, okay, this is, I just need to know what happened. Yeah. I don't need to get, and it's it's cool too, because it traces out, the repercussions of Tulsa and how it's influenced subsequent American history, how it's still influencing things today. It's really, really cool. Hmm. Um, And one of the other books that I was thinking about talking about is called Revolution in Our Time um, by Keckla Magoon, which is similarly very well-researched and well-written, but it's an account of the rise and fall of the Black Panther Party, which again, kind of a big deal. (laughs) But I didn't really learn about it yeah. in school, and it's just a nice, like, intro to the topic. Um, both these books do a great job of you know, connecting the dots between the past and the present, and making us feel connected as readers with mm-hmm. history, since it's it's going on right yeah. now. Yeah, truly. Like, actions have consequences, and
0: events have fallout, and... And patterns of behavior are often repeated. Yep. Especially if we don't talk about history.
1: Right. That is is our doom. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, those are my nonfiction black voice recommendations. Um, But I have a whole bunch of fiction ones also. um, (laughs) Handily contained in one volume. So last year there was an anthology that came out, a young adult anthology called Blackout. Um, It's edited by Danielle Clayton, who I've read several of her YA novels. She has a series called The Bells that I really, really loved. Kind of a YA dystopian fantasy thing going Mm -hmm, on. mm -hmm. Um, But Blackout is six short stories, all by different black young adult authors. Um, And anthologies really, they aren't for everyone. Not everyone is like, oh yeah, let me just pick up an anthology
0: me, me being <laughs> right. one of the ones I struggle with anthologies. And
1: I, I have also had a lot of difficulty with them in the past, which is part of why I recommended this one, because it's like, it's like a little, it's like a little sampler platter. Like, okay, we've got these yeah. six stories, these six authors. If I, you know, I like this story and I like this voice and I like this writing style.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe I'll pick up one of their other books.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so It's a really good jumping off. Points.
0: I really like that description. I'm going to use it going forward.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's yeah, it's kind of a yeah gateway.
0: Yeah. To like,
1: and you know, if you're reading the story and you're like, "Wow, this is not for me," then you're not committed. The story's going to be over in a second, right? (laughs) Like, you're fine. Yeah. Um. So all the stories take place during a sweltering summer blackout in New York City. Power grid's overloaded because everybody's running their air conditioner Mm and all of their fans. Mm -hmm. So there's a blackout. Um, Mm -hmm. But when the power grid goes down, so do the boundaries between people. Love blossoms, friendship transforms, and new possibilities take flight in various stories Mm -hmm. um, in this anthology. So Danielle Clayton, I've already mentioned, she has a story in the anthology. You know, the bells is really good. I also liked Shattered Midnight, Shattered Midnight from her. Um, Tiffany D. Jackson has made some headlines recently. She, uh, her book *Grown* is just fantastic, um, and I've also I, I liked *Monday's Not Coming*, which was the first one of hers that I read, and then *Grown* came out I think last year, and blew me away. Mm-hmm. It absolutely blew me out of the water. Um, there are also some. There's a story from uh, Nick Stone who wrote *Dear Martin*, which. Was, very popular. Yeah, very popular, very well received. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also got uh novels about the Marvel character Shuri, who's Black Panther's little sister. Interesting. Um, so there's a bunch of novels about her yeah. by Nick Stone, if you're uh if you're interested. Hmm. Um uh, Angie Thomas has a short story in here, and she's you know huge. Uh, the Hate You Give on yeah. the Come Up, Concrete Rose. Yeah. Um Ashley Woodfolk, who Writes really really fun, really interesting, uh, and engaging romances. I think uh, "When You Were Everything" is was her like novel that really comes to mind. She's also got a series called "The Fly Girls," about a bunch of different high schoolers. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking for urban fiction for younger folks, definitely check out Ashley Woodfolk um, and Nicola Yoon, um, who's wrote "Everything, Everything" and "The Sun Is Also a Star." Like these are big. Yeah. Names, yeah, and they're all in this one book. So if you've had any of those books on your list, you don't want to necessarily commit to the full book, yeah. Then maybe blackout as a as an anthology would be some place for you to start.
0: Yeah, and maybe assemble a sampler platter while you're reading it.
1: Yeah, and I'm like a little charcuterie board
0: of, <laughs> of black voices. Yeah, have a different snack for each story. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> This is Anthology and Food Pairings. Oh my gosh, that would make a great episode. <laughs> that would be incredible. We should do that. We should. Okay, noted. <laughs> for later. <laughs> great. Well, that I think that's a really, that's a great recommendation um, for this theme. Because you can really get a taste, pun intended, oh. <laughs> for what more you might want to read.
1: Yeah, some, just some different voices, and it doesn't have to be a huge, huge commitment if you're just looking to add some diversity to your reading balance.
0: Yeah. Again, great job. <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I don't have any transition about food or sampler platters or anything like that. So
1: You probably like shouldn't, based on this, <laughs> this book.
0: So, um, the... The final book that I wanted to talk about is um, one that we have talked about on this podcast before. Um, It's called When No One is Watching by Alyssa Cole. Um, That title might sound familiar uh, because our uh, previous podcast co-host Alyssa, who we miss, um, she talked about this book in our Psychological Suspense episode, which came out in May, of last year. Um, so since she talked about it, I have read it. And I would also like to talk about it. <laughs> um, so if you've heard, if you remember about this one, you know, please forgive me. But I think it's a really interesting book. And I don't think you'll, you'll be bored by hearing about it again. <laughs> so uh, Sydney Green, a black woman in her 30s, is um, living in her mother's house in Gifford place, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn that is going through a quote unquote revitalization. Um, there are millennials moving in (laughs) corporations are purchasing, um, buildings. There are condos going up. Um, and what's really happening is the, the culture and the people who built the neighbor neighborhood are being driven out. Um, Sydney has been heavily pressured to sell, but she does not want to move, Um, so she decides she wants to do something to fight against this change, and she puts together a tour of the neighborhood um, that covers its African roots and um, its past, which is really disappearing as she's just living in her neighborhood. Uh, With Sydney's story, we also get to see the perspective of Theo, who's a white man who has a very secretive past. We don't really know a lot about his past. Um, And he moves into the neighborhood and strikes up an unlikely friendship with Sydney um, and ends up assisting her with her tour. Uh, The two start to research and plan And as they do that, their neighbors start to disappear. Yeah. And some scary stuff starts to happen.
1: Yeah, it gets really scary. It
0: it does get very (laughs) scary. Um, And you start to learn more about Theo's history and uh, maybe what could potentially be happening underneath the surface of this gentrification of the neighborhood. Uh, So it's very thrilling. It's a very engaging story. I've... I felt very satisfied reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, Sydney and Theo take turns narrating. So you get multiple narrations, which is really nice. Um, It's a little bit fantastical, but in a very fun and exciting way. Um, And it's a very twisty plot. So it'll keep you keep you guessing, keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. Keep the pages turning.
1: I'm, like, really smug about my ability to, like, call the endings of books. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very smug about it. And I <laughs> did not see this one coming. Yeah. But not, like, in a way that felt, like, forced. Right. Like, right. Oh, yeah. oh,
0: that's where this went. Right. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think Alyssa mentioned this crossover feel. It feels sort of like Get Out meets Rear, rear Window. Mm-hmm. In a way. it's If you like to get out and you're looking for something similar, this is a great place to go. Um, fair warning, this is an adult book. Yeah. Things get bloody. Mm-hmm. Uh, things also get a little steamy. I do. They do, yeah. indeed. Uh, Alyssa Cole wrote romance before she wrote this.
1: Ah, that explains. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I recall that scene... Uh, I listened to the audiobook, uh, and I was riding my bike through the park, <laughs> listening to the audiobook was... on my headphones, and it got a little steamy. I was like, this feels uncomfortable. This feels weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so When No One is Watching by Alyssa Cole, a little more escapist to, I think, round out our yeah. our recommendations this time around. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Great. And I have so many more books that I could talk about. <laughs> so yeah. if you ever want to stop by and uh, get some wrecks, we've got them for
0: you. Yeah, we do. We also have a reading list mm-hmm. um, uh, with Black voices as well, which I think has a lot of different titles than these. So yeah, yeah,
1: we have one for uh, for kids as well with different age groups. So nice. if you have any younger folks, or you just are like me and you're an adult and you want to read some middle grade fiction. <laughs> I can hook you up. Great.
0: Cool. Well, we did it, Hannah. We We did did it. I'm so proud. (laughs) Black voices. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next month with a new episode. Um, And in the meantime, happy reading. Bye. Bye.